You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, if you will, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four, when you found your place, if you're physically able, if you'll stand to your feet out of honor and reverence to the Word of God as we read our scripture text this evening, Ephesians chapter number four, we're going to read beginning in verse number 30, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter, Ephesians chapter four, verses 30, 31, and 32. Let's read aloud together our scripture this evening. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 30. Ready, begin. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening and how our hearts rejoice at the opportunity and the privilege that is given to us to be in the house of God. How our hearts have been stirred and refreshed as we have listened to the singing, as we have fellowshiped with one another. And now, Lord, we come to the preaching of your word and we realize that unless the Spirit come, all is in vain. And I need your help this evening, Lord, and I pray that you would help me to speak with words that are concise, that would convey only what you would desire to be conveyed to your people. I pray that you would give me power and strength, and I pray that you'd help us to have attentive ears, but most of all, help us to have receptive hearts, and then may we respond in obedience to the voice of God tonight. We'll thank you and praise you, give you the honor and glory for everything that's accomplished But we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to hold your finger in Ephesians chapter number 4. And I want you to turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. I want to read another two verses. And then I want to address the subject that I believe God would have us consider this evening. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. In our text that we have read this evening in these two passages of Scripture, we have read half of what the New Testament has to say about this little word, bitterness. In fact, the word bitterness is only found four times in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 14, it is a part of God's indictment against unredeemed mankind. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 14, Paul says, "...whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness." 
The other time that this word is used apart from my reading is found in Acts chapter 8 and verses 9 through 24. In that passage of scripture, it is used about Simon the sorcerer who sought to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit with money. And Paul said in Acts chapter 8, or Peter said in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 23 to Simon, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the uh, bond of iniquity. So therefore, when we read this word bitterness on the pages of Scripture, we find that it is used to describe sinners, those apart from God. It is used to describe a sorcerer, but yet twice it is given as a warning to the saints as something on which we must continually be guarding against. What is bitterness? Something that is bitter is something that is distressing to the mind. It is something that is accompanied by pain or suffering. Someone who is bitter exhibits intense animosity or unpleasantness. And as I make these statements immediately in your mind, you are casting about and you're thinking of someone that you have met on the pathway of life who could be described as being a bitter person. Bitterness seems to be such a small thing. But I want to warn you that bitterness is a very subtle thing. And bitterness is a serious thing. But most certainly for us as children of God, we must be reminded that bitterness is a sinful thing. It is something that we must guard against. It is not right for us to hold any morsel of bitterness in our hearts. In our text in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, let all bitterness that means every bit of bitterness, every morsel of bitterness, every ounce of bitterness, every gram of bitterness must be put away from us if we would be right with God. The writer of Hebrews warns us to be on guard lest any root of bitterness, no matter what its source, if it's any root, we have to dig it out and pluck it up and get rid of it. Could I say that more families have been destroyed, more churches have been divided because of bitterness than you or I would ever be able to imagine? And we live in an era where bitterness is flourishing. I mean, just the situation in which we live has planted the seed of bitterness in hearts all around us. Some are bitter because they're supposed to wear a mask. Some are bitter because no one wants to wear a mask. And some are bitter because you should have a vaccine. And others are bitter because you shouldn't have a vaccine. And others are bitter because somebody else is bitter about what somebody else is bitter about. We're bitter because someone's a Democrat. Or we're bitter because someone's a Republican. Or we're bitter because this person did that. Or that person did this. Or this person said that. And if we're not careful, bitterness will consume and destroy us and the work that God has entrusted to us. 
So for a few minutes, I want to preach on this thought, the tragedy of bitterness. I just want you to notice three things with me very briefly tonight. Number one, let's think about the cause. What is the cause of bitterness in the life of a Christian? You may say, well, it is what they did to me that has produced this bitterness. It is what they said to me that produced this bitterness. Or perhaps you you would say, it's what they said about me to someone else. That's the root of this bitterness. Or maybe what they did to someone else. You, You have taken up a cause on behalf of another person and you have become bitter about what transpired in their life. But could I just say to you that the answer to all of those reasons that you might put forth or I might put forth for bitterness in our life as the root of the bitterness, the cause of the bitterness, all of those can be answered with a resounding no. It is not what someone did to me. It is not what someone said to me. It is not what someone said about me or what they did to someone I love. That is not the cause of bitterness in my heart as a Christian if I hold it there. The, the, really the root, the cause of bitterness is a twofold failure on my part if I have bitterness. It's not your fault, it's my fault. And if you have bitterness, it's not the person sitting next to you's fault, the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person across on the other side of the auditorium, it's not the pastor's fault, it is your fault if you have bitterness in your heart. I'll prove it to you from the Word of God. What is this failure on your part or on my part? We have to understand this. No one else can make me bitter. I must choose to be a bitter person. I must choose to hold bitterness in my heart. You say, I don't, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. The truth of it is, if I hold bitterness or if you hold bitterness, it is our own personal responsibility that we must face. It's a failure on our part. What is it? First of all, it's a failure to draw on the grace of God. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12 and verse number 15. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. You see, when we hold bitterness in our heart, we have failed with our investment, our use of the grace of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Therefore, in the time when something negative happens to me, and I feel this root of bitterness coming up in me, I have a resource that I can draw upon. I can lean upon the grace of God and it will enable me to overcome this bitterness, to root out this bitterness, to get victory over this bitterness. That grace is available to me because I can come boldly at any time I have a need and find grace to help in the time of need. Not only is that grace available, but that grace is able. The Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. You say, but you don't know how bad it was. No, but I know how good the grace of God is. I know how abundant the grace of God is. I know how sufficient the grace of God is. And no matter what it was that happened to you or what it was that happened to me, if we would just avail ourselves of the the abundant grace, 
able, uh, available grace of God, we can have victory over this thing. If we have bitterness, we failed to draw on the grace of God. Not only have, and by the way, Paul made this great statement. Paul said in Galatians 2.21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I think many times we are guilty of frustrating the grace of God. God says, I have grace for you, and we say, I don't want that grace. I'd rather hold on to this bitterness. God says, I have grace I can give you. I I don't want that grace. I don't need that grace right now. And the, the grace of God is frustrated at being able to accomplish what God wants it to in our life because we have frustrated, we have held it off because we love our bitterness more than we want to be right with God. So it's a failure to draw on the grace of God. Not only is it a failure to draw on the grace of God, it's a failure really to defer to the Spirit of God. Back in Ephesians chapter number 4, notice very carefully where this verse is found. Chapter 4 and verse number 30 begins this way, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Well, how are we going to make sure that we don't grieve the Spirit of God? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to put this away from us. But that little word let is very key. That means I must grant permission. Holy Spirit is not going to come in my life and say, all right, I'm taking this out. You can't have this. I'm throwing it overboard. No, I have a free will. God will not violate my free will. But the Holy Spirit will knock at my heart's door and he'll say, I have abundant grace. I have the ability to help you overcome this. And if you will just let me, if you will just give me the opportunity, if you will just say, hey, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me. I can't do it by myself. He says, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. And if we will defer to the Spirit of God, we can overcome bitterness in our life. It is true that when we hold bitterness, we have not yielded to the pleading of the Spirit of God in our hearts. And clinging to bitterness reveals that there is something not right in my heart between myself and God. Because I've failed to draw on His grace, and I have failed to defer to His Spirit. Therefore, The responsibility lies at my feet, and there's something between me and God that is not right. That's the cause of bitterness. Now, I want you to think very quickly about the consequences of bitterness. You see, everything has consequences. We make our choices, but along with those choices come consequences that we have to accept. It'd be great if we could pick the choice and then we could decide what consequence came with that, but we don't get that option. They come as a package deal. If you choose to go out and commit murder, you have the right to do that. You can do that. However, you're going to have to accept the consequences. You're going to spend your days in a prison cell or on death row or go to the electric chair or some other form of punishment. That just comes with the territory. If you choose to act this way, then here is the consequence for your action. By the way, bitterness has consequences. When a Christian harbors bitterness in their heart and in their life, what is the result that is produced? Well, first of all, we've already mentioned it in Ephesians chapter number 4. There is the distress of the Spirit. 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness be put away from you. So if I do not allow bitterness to be put away from me, then the contrary is true. It's not that I have not grieved the Spirit of God, but rather I have grieved the Spirit of God. I wonder how many services the Spirit of God would like to work, but I've grieved Him because I'm holding bitterness in my heart. Nobody else may know it. The preacher may not know it. My husband may not know it. My wife may not know it. The church may not know it. No one else may be aware of it. But I'm holding bitterness down deep in my heart. And because of that, the Holy Spirit of God is grieved and he cannot work as he desires to work. By the way, holding bitterness messes up your communion. Have you ever tried as a husband or a wife to talk with your spouse when they're grieved about something you have done? Doesn't work real well, does it? You can sit there and act all pious like you don't know what I'm talking about. But you probably pretend not to know about other things that you're well acquainted with. Truth of it is, if, if somehow you have offended them, if you have hurt them, and by the way, men, a lot of times we don't even know what we've done. You know, and we're like, what, what, what did I do? What did I say? Well, it wasn't what you said. It was what you were thinking. Well, how do you know what I was thinking? Because she's your wife. She has these supernatural powers. You know, a lot of things are amazing. I can say all this because my wife's in the nursery. She said, I'll watch it tomorrow. So tomorrow she'll be grieved, you know, and I'll have to get over this. Truth of it is, when you try to communicate with somebody who is grieved at you, that's been hurt by something you've done or some attitude that you have taken up, it interferes with your communication. By the way, when you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, it interferes with your communication with God. When I hold bitterness in my heart, there's a barrier between me and God. There's a hurdle. The Holy Spirit is not quick to respond to my plea and my voice. And I'm not quick to sense his voice. You know why? Because we're not on speaking terms. He is grieved because I have chosen not to listen to him and allow him to put away bitterness from my heart and my life. By the way, not only does it mess up your communication, it messes up your comfort. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit is to comfort the child of God. Can I tell you, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, he's not going to be near and minister to you in the comforting sense that you can feel him if your heart is right with God. I've got to hurry. Not only distress of the Spirit is a consequence of bitterness, there's the disturbance of self. Look at Hebrews chapter number four, uh, chapter number 12, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 15. The writer said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. In other words, if I let a root of bitterness spring up in my life, it doesn't trouble my wife. It doesn't trouble my pastor. It doesn't trouble someone else. It troubles me. Bitterness is the only poison that destroys the container in which it's stored. And we store bitterness in our heart and it destroys us internally. You really hurt yourself when you get bitter. You emotionally, can I tell you it takes work to be bitter? You have to work at it. You've got to continually rehearse in your mind how you've been hurt and how you've been offended and how you've been wrong and, and how, and, and you've got to try to work it up continually, always thinking about it. 
Not only that, but physically it'll affect you. It'll affect your health. It'll give you ulcers. It'll cause you to have a knotted stomach. It'll affect you socially. You'll be worried about who's on your side. And when you see two people talking, you immediately assume, well, they must be talking about me. Otherwise, they would have said that in front of me where I could hear. Who knows? Maybe they're uh, planning on buying you a Christmas present. They don't want you to know. But no, because you're bitter, it has affected your social outlook. And you always assume the worst. By the way, it affects you spiritually. You're not right with God. You have no peace. You have no joy. Your prayers are hindered. In the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 23, this great man of wisdom by the name of Ahithophel, he goes home, he sets his house in order, and he goes out and commits suicide. He hangs himself. And the reason is because he is bitter about what has happened to someone that he loves. He is the grandfather of Bathsheba who committed adultery with David. And because David has never made that thing fully right, at least in his eyes, he is upset. And now when Absalom rises up against his father, he, in his bitterness, he turns to support Absalom. And when he sees that Absalom doesn't live to his, uh, listen to his counsel, he goes home and commits suicide. And the root of it all is bitterness in his heart against David. The consequences, it brings distress of the spirit. It brings the disturbance of self. And by the way, it brings the defilement of saints and sinners alike. Neighbors, notice Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You say, well, it's not going to hurt anybody but me if I want to be bitter. Oh, yeah, it will. It'll hurt many. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible said it. Thereby, what? By that root of bitterness that you have allowed to spring up, that I've allowed to spring up, by that bitterness that I'm holding in my heart, that bitterness that I'm nurturing, that I'm carrying with me, I am literally going to affect negatively many people, the Word of God says. Think about your companion and how, you know, if you're not careful, if you stay around a person who is bitter, you'll become bitter. Someone who is disgruntled, someone who is dissatisfied, always in their bitterness, talking negatively about it. If you, if you watch, it's not long until that one bitter person now becomes two or three or four or five or six or seven or ten or twenty or fifty bitter people. You'll affect your companion. You'll affect your children. You'll affect the company you keep. You'll affect your church. Here's the tragedy. There will probably be people who will pass through the portals into a place called hell because they met a Christian who was bitter. And they said, If that's what Christ does for you, I don't need him. Somehow or another we treat this thing like it's no big deal. Like somehow we can justify it. Like you just don't understand. The truth of it is, it is a very serious and a very deadly thing. And in our churches, in our world today, we we are suffering a pandemic. Not of some virus 
but of this thing called bitterness held in the hearts of people who name the name of Jesus Christ. You say, well, there's the cause, there's the consequences, what's the cure? Well, I'm glad you asked. What is the victory? What's the answer for this insidious affliction of bitterness? Well, we read it earlier, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You say, what's the answer to bitterness? Forgiveness. It's a guaranteed cure. It will work 100% of the time. Now, it is true that sometimes you can get a sickness and you can take a, a, a dose of medication for a day or two and you have a quick recovery because you had a mild case. There are other times when the doctor may give you a 30-day prescription of some antibiotic. Why? Because your case was more severe, it had become more extenuating, and as a result, you had to have a stronger medication. You had to stay on that medication for a more lengthy period of time. But can I guarantee you this? It doesn't matter if you have to need just a little dose or if it's going to take a long regimen, but if you'll ingest a good amount of forgiveness... It'll completely cure any bitterness that you have infecting your life. What kind of forgiveness? A full forgiveness. He said, even as Christ, God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How did God forgive you? It was fully. Psalm 103 and verse number 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. You say, but you don't know what they did. Does it fall under the category of all? I mean, if it's outside of all, then you can hold on to it. Otherwise, you've got to forgive it all. Just full forgiveness. You say, you don't know how bad it is. Could I just tell you, I can read in the Bible of some people who suffered things beyond anything I can imagine, and unjustly so. And yet, I can look at their life, and I can say that they had no bitterness, and the only answer is they must have just completely, fully forgiven that individual who offended and did them wrong. Full forgiveness, not only full forgiveness, free forgiveness. Sometimes we want to forgive people, but we want them to somehow be responsible to pay for that forgiveness. Could I just say that's not forgiveness? You just have to say, okay, they did wrong, that's, that's right. But I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to blot the record clear. I'm going to pretend like it never happened. Now, sure, we understand that there are other, other things that go along with it. Obviously, if someone has committed a crime, there's a price to pay, but that doesn't mean you can't forgive them for it. If someone has, has committed an offense, there may be restrictions on their life, on their ministry, but that doesn't mean you can't completely and freely and fully forgive them for what they've done. And by the way, it needs to be final forgiveness. Here's what the Lord said that he would do for Israel in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 17. He said, thy sins and thy iniquities will I remember no more. Now God did not say that he forgets our sins because God does not forget. Forgetfulness is a trait of human frailty. 
Because the problem is you can't forget. Because if you try to forget, you have to remember what you're trying to forget in order to remember that you're going to forget that. I mean, it's kind of like a, a, it's kind of like a quandary you get in. But here's what God said. He said, I, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. To remember is by, an, by a deliberate act to pull something up from the past and bring it into the present. God said, once you make it right with me, I will never go in the past. I will never pull that up and bring that up and bring it up to you and hold it up to you again. It's gone forever. And every child of God ought to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank God I have been forgiven. He will never bring that up again and hold it against me. It is over. It is done with for all of eternity. By the way, if that does come up, you know who's bringing it up. It's not him. Must be the one who's from that area, the devil. Now, the devil will bring up your past. But when he brings up your past, you just remind him about his future. God will never bring up your past. Once, you, once you've made it right with him, your sins, your iniquities, will he remember no more. And by the way, that's exactly how we have to forgive those who have done us wrong. Remember it no more. We can never go back and pull it up and say, well, now you remember in 1978. What? That, that's the root of bitterness springing up. But if we will forgive fully and freely and finally, we can have victory over bitterness in our life. Could I say, I, I am convinced with all of my heart that one of the most broadly practiced sins among people of God is the clinging to of some element of bitterness in their life. Why? Because it's a sin that is not often on public display. We can dress right. We can have a good haircut. We can have modest apparel. We can sing the songs. We can even lift our hand. And all the time hold bitterness in our heart. Could I just say, if there's any element of bitterness, if there's any root, if there's any possibility, I'd come to an altar and I'd say, God, I want you. I, tonight, I'm granting the Holy Spirit permission to put this away. I believe that your grace is available. I believe that your grace is able I believe that your grace is there for me and I'm claiming the grace of God and I am going to allow the Holy Spirit to root out this thing of bitterness in my life so that my life will not be troubled and I will not be the cause of others being defiled. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.